listening to a podcast from Light FM. On this episode of the Next Phase, our guest is a man who is best known by his popular column name Citizen Nadis, aka R Nadis Warren. He's built a reputation over 43 years in the trade of telling it like it is. And today, <laughs> we're speaking to this award-winning journalist to find out what his next chapter in life is all about and what it looks like. So, as Terry said, you're known to pretty much everyone as citizen that is how did this moniker come about and was this part of your stance as a voice no uh, i wrote columns uh, on consumer issues mm. and it was just called consumer affairs never really actually wrote a column as such but then when i moved over to the leader they gave me a page sometimes too Mm-hmm. to fill it up with my views right and i said yeah i can't go on with this nadish or anything because the column needs an identity right well, i toyed around the idea with the other editors and suddenly said you're speaking on behalf of the people why don't you call yourself citizen and that's how the name stuck okay very catchy yeah like 1993 wow <laughs> wow okay Yeah, some incredible. of your listeners may, may not have been born. <laughs> Our <laughs> listeners definitely have been though. Yes, the ones well, in light. Well, no, maybe the, the third generation ones haven't. The ones riding in the car right now with the parents. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Do you find people still like refer to you as that? I, I walk into the supermarket. Hey, that citizen lady <laughs> they come up, uh, come up to me and say hello and selfie and all that. So I'm still the, the citizen is just stuck. Stuck. Does that put any mm. pressure on you to, you know, if you're out in the Pasapagi, for example, with your singlets and your shorts and stuff, and you're in a maybe grumpy mood because we all get in those, and then someone comes uh, up and claps yeah. you on the back, a citizen nutters. You know, do, do you ever feel pressure to, to be? No, no, no. I, actually, uh, early in my career, mm-hmm. uh, I was told you write for the people. Right. Uh, you don't offend people. I, I had a many many years ago. Uh, I had a call at seven thirty in the morning on a Saturday, which was my day off. Mm-hmm. And the woman frantically sounds in the other other end. The phone sounds really desperate. And those days there were no handphones. There was a house phone. Right. right. And actually, she was invading my privacy. And I I gave a mouthful. I said, "Go and screw the bee." Mm. Oh. She bought a bee <laughs> in the honey. You know, in This politely of putting it through the I use a polite word now. Uh, <laughs> so after the editor told me, "You are a people's man. Right. You got to uh, be nice people and everything else." Do you find uh, because you've done so many of these articles, right? Do you find that a specific theme or a specific subject that people bring up to you when they meet up with you? You see, the thing is this: I have stopped entertaining complaints. Even now, I get emails. Mm. I got this problem. Can you handle this? And it's. I'm no more the editor mm. of a newspaper, and I have reporters with me who can do the legwork. I'm now just a columnist, <laughs> so I I normally refer to former colleagues, friends, for on on doing such things. Mm-hmm. So they come with a, a, a recently someone, but two days ago someone wrote in complaining about her neighbor who was harassing her, right. and she went to the police station. Right there, too, the police just just indifferent. So I passed it on to my. Former colleague who's who's on the crime beat, and he said, "Ask him to handle this." So it goes on. Mm, I love that. So But of course, uh, you get a lot of emails on uh, corruption, on abuse of the system, and everything else. But each and every one was verified. It's just a claim, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Mm. So I don't have the time to do legwork. I don't have a team of researchers. I, I research myself. I, right. I sit at home like here and uh, give my views on bread and butter issues. Mm. Going a bit backwards first, starting yes, off with yes. uh, a bit of history before we get there. That's right, because Nadesh now across the internet, uh, many people were were shocked and horrified when they found out that Citizen Nadesh was retiring. But do do journalists 
like award-winning journalist such as yourself ever really retire from writing? And what was that decision like to enter this next new phase for you? It was actually forced. <laughs> oh. Okay. I, I retired you know, my employment contract stated that my service ends when I turn 55. 2006, no, the law no longer applied because it was a service contract. Mm. So I had to say goodbye. And fortunately, my big boss at that time, Hoke Tat, asked me to stay on. Right, so I stayed on on a year-to-year basis, right, until the one MDB scandal broke. Every year, I am told your contract is renewed, kind of thing. No letter, nothing. It's automatic. Right. Mm. For eleven years. So, uh, at the, up in, to that point, with those extra extra eleven years, how long had you been running that column and writing as a journalist? I've been running the column since two thousand and four. Uh, my column. The leader, so three years before I left at the tender age of 46 to enter university to read law. Wow. <laughs> okay, we diverted there a bit. Um, you mentioned yeah. <laughs> going to university to read law yeah. whilst you were yeah. still running a column. Like, can you just don't gloss over that? Yes, like, take us to that please. point. What happened there? I woke up one morning and said, uh, I only have senior Cambridge grade two. If I lose this job, what do I have? Hmm. So I skimmed through the newspapers and somebody was offering course, uh, law mm-hmm. and willing to take in mature students because I had only seen a Cambridge grade too. I didn't have A-levels. Mm. Right. right? Mm. So I signed up and I enjoyed it. Right. It was night classes. After work, go for classes, come back. And I used to type my notes on my, those days, the old pe- uh, personal computer, not the laptop. Okay. Wow, and I okay. can remember. So I got a scholarship for the second year. I would already pay the library fees and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I was a top student second year. Then the third year, I was went to UK and they offered me a one thousand pound rebate on the piece. At that time, it was uh, six thousand pounds. Wow! Right? And and the exchange rate was then only three ninety six. Okay, <laughs> that, that sounds Those like a better the deal days, than these yeah. days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and my only regret is I missed my first class by three percentage points. <laughs> But I put in a bit of extra effort, it have been done. <laughs> wow. Mm. Okay. So you were in the UK then for the last year only, and then you came yeah. back? Yeah, came back. Okay. So mm. was that straight back into, I mean, w- were you writing your column throughout this whole time? Did you come back straight to, to no, keep no, on no. writing? I just, like- I just gave up everything, okay, and uh, concentrate on my, my studies and came back and I did a uh, legal work, right, for the music industry, but the call... And the lure of journalism got me back right. uh, almost immediately. So you were what, in your late 40s when you decided, I'm going to go do law. So you put yep. your writing on a bit of a hiatus, mm. went off, did that for like sort of three years, came back, dabbled in a bit of law. No, I, and then I was away only, only for a year and a half. Oh, for a year and a half. Okay. Uh, mm. yeah. And then the muse of the the pen, the writing, whichever part of that was the muse for you, called you back. So what did you go back into in terms of journalism? Mm. I, I really missed it, actually. I, I really missed chasing thieves and crooks and <laughs> everything else. <laughs> being a hero. It, it was quicker to do it by writing rather no, no. than being a lawyer, is it? it is. It, people still remembered me and when you bump into them, listen. Hey, right. I don't need to get back. That's you know we are missing you. You know mm. you're kind of uh, writing that kind of stuff. Okay, right. so uh, I had to do it. So put everything on hold. Get back to uh, journalism, and uh, that was it. And I I never turned back. Was this going back into doing the column, or was the column done at this point, and it was just you doing? No, journalism? I kept. I was employed as the editor in charge of special investigations. <clears throat> so with that, my column did not restart 
until 2004, wow. uh, five years later, right? Being a newbie, they normally don't give you a column, okay? Until you prove your worth. Mm. Right. So I had to work myself back to getting a column. The famous words of the editor was, then editor was, in all your writings, you seem to be editorializing <laughs> news reports. <laughs> I said, that's the way I do it. Okay. Well, now we're going to move forward then, right? To the part where you were coming towards the end of uh, writing for, for that column. And what did you do? After that, when you the first thing you did after you stepped back from writing that column, right? What happened? Like when you found out that you were not going to continue with it, what was that no, next step I that was, happened at that point? I was I was already in, in the final phase of uh, my second book called Churi Churi Malaysia, <laughs> which is a play on Chuti Chuti Malaysia. I love it. I love it. Yeah, right. So I launched that book I think in January or February. Then I went off to Melbourne to promote the book. Then the book launched in. Melbourne. What year was then that? I came back 2017. Then I came back, went to London. There was another talk and book launch in London. Then I came back and hopped over to Malaysia Kine SM, ready to restart my, my columns. And Stephen Gunn, the editor, was nice to say, come on, we need you. I still write uh, two columns a week, try to. Sometimes I write three, but sometimes none. Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't write for the sake of writing. Right. Mm. I must be comfortable with the subject. I must know the subject well. Otherwise, I don't write politics at all. I stay away from race, religion and royalty, plus politicians and politics. Occasionally, I do mention because they make such boo-boos, you can't avoid mentioning them. Right. It's all about the next phase with us here on The Light Breakfast all this week. And today, our guest is better known as his <laughs> moniker, uh, Citizen Nudders. It's something that everyone calls him when they see him in the street or they ask him for something. Which they still do. Which they still do. Uh, even my dad is Citizen Nudders. Uh, it's quite <laughs> funny. Um, you know, he's been a journalist, award-winning journalist for over 50 years. He's always the kind of man to tell it how it is, straight up. Uh, he speaks for the people. He is sort of the people's voice uh, in, in the way he writes and the, the topics he tackles. And um, yeah, we're finding out from him what his next chapter in life looks like. We know that you're still writing right now. And I guess what we want to, I would like to know is, are you still in love with writing? Does writing mean something different from for you now in this phase of your life? I think writing is like shaving. <laughs> okay. Don't shave every day, you're a bum. <laughs> <laughs> you sound exactly like my father. That's exactly something my father would say. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> On a more serious note, I enjoy writing, hmm. right? I enjoy researching, looking into issues and give my views however unpalatable they may be. I have to just say it uh, as it is. That's what I've been doing all this while. I continue, I'm continuing to do it. When you first started writing, did you have a very different relationship writing and what your mission was than what it is for you today? And if you could explain sort of those two things, if they are different. I started out as a sports journalist. <laughs> okay. Right? I was covering cricket, hockey and everything. I had always this dream of covering cricket from the Lords and MCG in Melbourne. Mm. I did both. <laughs> wow, okay. Tick on that box. I, I enjoyed that. Okay. I still write sports. I covered the Olympics in 2012 in London. And maybe next year I'll be heading to Paris. But but come back to this. They asked me to... Nodin uh, Sopi said, hey, you're better off in, 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 the, in the news desk. And so I went to join news. So I covered parliament, crime, courts everything except sports and business. Later on, I, I covered business as well. 
So what was the thing that excited you most then? Obviously, you love writing. Yes, I love writing, yeah. What is it about it? Like, what do you get from it? I can sleep with a clear conscience. I can sleep peacefully, no no knocks on the door, nothing of that sort. Uh, You feel a sense of satisfaction, especially when you resolve people's problems. Hmm. There's so many. Okay. Right? It's never ending. There's always some. There's always a new problem to solve, which means that you've always yeah, got something yeah. that you can write about. Yeah, that that was in the past, but right now people say I'm trying to correct society. I'm not trying to correct society. If there's something wrong, I need to write about it. You should have been not not done this way or that way. Recently, I I wrote a piece on on the censorship, and there are many ways to skin a cat. You don't block a website, right? Mm. Suspend them or whatever it is. There are a lot of ways to handle it, and I felt that the way the Ministry and the MCMC handled it was not the correct way. Mm. Sometimes I feel the people there getting wrong advice or misinformed, they come up with this kind of decisions. Mm. So I had to say something because I don't want to be affected by somebody arbitrarily saying your article is not suitable for public consumption. I Mm. don't want that. So we must set the parameters right. Now, as you're the kind of guy that if spied in a coffee shop, anyone (laughs) <laughs> would buy a quick cup of coffee and go and sit down right next to you and ask you all sorts of questions because you're a great conversationist. You have so many stories that never got made to print and, mm. of course, the ones that got printed. Mm. So I wonder what words of wisdom would you have for someone who sat down and said, I'm trying to plan the next phase of my life. I'm 55 years old, the, the same age you were when you know these sort of acts, so to speak, came down. I'm being told I have to retire what do I do? Hmm. A lot of options. Actually, if I wanted to, I actually promoted this this idea of having senior citizens working in petrol kiosks for three hours. Got nothing to do with the house, hmm. right? Just go and pump petrol instead of having so many foreign. I suggested this. I took it up to ministers level and said, we should oh. do this. At your free time, come and spend four, three, four hours. I got enough money for your lunch and dinner. Yeah. Right? If you take this, I would have done that. I would have just picked, done a job uh, like that. I would have uh, volunteered somewhere. Many years ago, I, I spent my free time reading to the blind. Mm. Right? There are a lot of things you can do if you want to do. Right? I stay away from religious festivals. I, I find a lot of my, my age group friends ending up uh, helping the temple and Mm -hmm. doing this and that and everything else. So there are a lot of things you can do. Fortunately for me, I'm still able to write. Yeah, mm. but, it sounds um, like one of the things that you you seem to really enjoy, and what you're trying, what you're saying is that always still maintain that connection with society and and community, to always feel like you know you're still contributing at no matter what age you're you're at. Some friends of mine become cricket umpires. They go and umpire games, <laughs> wow, friendly cool. matches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now thing you meet your old friends, yeah. right? Goes in the circle, right? I wish I I could do that, right? But occupy like I'm still involved in things like club activities, mm-hmm. like this evening there's a meeting. Uh, the cricket team is planning a trip to Sri Lanka. They want me to give my input because I've been there several times. Right. I said, okay, the, get, get, get yourself involved. I think otherwise you go bonkers, you know. Yeah. Everybody sit at home and brood and brood. And yeah. brood. I think it's really interesting that you bring that up because when many people picture you, citizen, uh, they imagine this man in front of the computer that's just typing furiously with his opinions. But no, there's there's a part of you that's you know out there with friends and, and hanging yeah. out. and yeah. yeah. The most important thing is these days, 
the computer gives you worldwide views mm. right those days i used to wait for the editor to throw his copy of the times or the telegraph he yeah. said they go online i, I read uh, the daily mail every day the independent i, I it gives me informed mm-hmm. world affairs you know what stand and everything else mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. if you sit at home and you know like a old pensioner waiting for your day then you're gone Yeah. We truly yes. appreciate the time that you've given to us to hang out with us here and uh yes. share with us your life and your experiences. Okay, thank you. You can listen to this whole interview again on the Light Breakfast podcast on the Shock app. That's S Y O K. You've been listening to a Light FM podcast on Shock. That's S Y O K.